Hola, welcome again to my podcast. This is episode three. Today is Tuesday. No, today is Wednesday, June 5th, 2019. That's how awesome Mexico is. I cannot even keep track of the days of the week. It's fabulous. Uh, So here I am, episode three. And you know, when a telenovela premieres, they hit it really hard with the advertising and promotions and clips and all of the guests go on Un Nuevo Dia and dance and sing and cook uh, with Chef James. And uh, I can't do any of those things from here in Mexico City. Number one, because I'm here in Mexico City and not in Miami. More importantly, number two, I do not work for Telemundo, nor am I a novella star. So the best I can do is my version of Hit It Hard in terms of promotion. And I'll do a series of podcasts in a row. And then I'll probably move to once a week because everyone will be sick of me by the time I'm through promoting myself and no one will actually listen to the show. So I'm trying to strike a balance between heavy promotion, but no one getting sick of me. Um, So hopefully I haven't crossed that line yet. Okay, so here's some novella news I want to just start off with. This novella I have discovered in Mexico City, Mi Pecado, My Sin. I know I've talked about it every night. It's so amazing because if you think telenovelas are dramatic and melodramatic, you have seen nothing until you have seen Mi Pecado. Um, This character um, tonight died in a fire, but it took him like 20 minutes to die in the fire. And the whole time he was dying, he was reliving his life. And I guess all the mistakes he made in his life. And then, of course, on the day he died, he rectified, I think, a lot of his mistakes, um, it looked like. But... He was like in the warehouse being burned alive, apparently, for like 20 minutes. And all of the men that worked for him were on the other side of the fire, like saying, boss, hang in there, hang in there. But there was no sign that anybody had called the fire department. So I'm not sure what they wanted him to hang in there for, unless they just wanted him to, you know, continue reliving his life. But I think on the day he died he found out that his daughter wasn't really his daughter, but yet he mended fences with his daughter. Um, And this daughter, if you listen to episode one, this daughter was the same girl who was making out with her boyfriend in the library when her mother got off of her deathbed, which as it turns out wasn't a deathbed. The mother, I guess, had a nervous breakdown. The actress wasn't wearing any makeup. I construed it as a deathbed. But apparently she has recovered from her nervous breakdown in 72 hours because she's totally back to being made up and being mean and having a really big hairdo. Um, But anyway, so uh, on the same day that he was to die, Poppy found out that his daughter wasn't his daughter, yet, of course, they mended fences, he and his daughter slash non-daughter. Anyway, it's such a fantastic novella. And I'm going to have to just like watch repeats on YouTube or something because I don't know where I'm at in it, but I have a feeling I'm close to the end if Poppy died 
in a warehouse fire. Um, but he was reliving his life while he was burning. The flames were all around him and the, you know, pals were on the other side of the fire telling him to hang in there. The fire department never showed up. Um, and uh, he's a major character. So I'm sure this novella is moving towards its conclusion, although, as you may or may not know, a novella moving towards its conclusion to take, can take like a month. Um, but anyway, I do, uh, I do really want to watch this show from the beginning because I've never seen anything as out of control. And as a side note, this entire family, daughter with the rabbit jacket combined with the weird glitter sweater, um, they love fabrics that are not natural because the dad had on like a, a bad, bad, I don't know what kind of a jacket, which is probably what continu- uh, contributed to him dying in the flames because this material was definitely not f- flame retardant. Um, and the fire was set by a guy that I've seen him in every episode and I could tell the moment I saw him he was the bad guy. And that's because he literally wears black from head to toe even more black than Johnny Cash, even more dark black than what Rodney Dangerfield um, was looking for when he went shopping with Joe Pesci in the movie Back to School. He was looking for something in a dark black. And this guy has cornered the market on dark black, whoever he is. But he has black pants, a black shirt, a black jacket, a black hat. And when he's setting fire to a warehouse... He also um, has black gloves and black shoes, of course. Um, I mean, you could see this guy coming a mile away. I really don't think he'd ever be able to commit a crime in real life because you would see him and cross the street because he's literally dressed in black from head to toe. Okay, enough of that. Now let me tell you about Mexico City and my favorite street, which is called Amsterdam. And it ties in to the theme of this podcast, which, as you know, is called My Mexican Mistakes. Um, And the reason I love Amsterdam so much is, well, let me back up. I was meeting a friend today for lunch, and I always have to allow an extra hour to get to wherever I'm going, even though I'm literally like going about four blocks. But the reason why I have to add the extra time is because I'm gonna get lost. I'm gonna get lost, And so what I do is I get lost, I then retrace the steps back to my hotel, and I start all over again from my hotel and try a different path that I hope is the correct path. So I always have to allow extra time so I'm not too terribly late. So in any event, um, I went to meet this friend of mine for lunch, and I could tell from the directions that I was supposed to take Amsterdam Avenue. And Amsterdam Avenue in La Condesa is, honest to God, a beautiful street. It's huge, number one. It's wide, um, very wide. And that's because, um, I don't know when, but sometime in the not-too-distant past, there used to be horse races on it. Um, How, you wonder? Because Amsterdam is a complete completely oval street. I can never get lost on Amsterdam 
as I learned today, because I will always end up right back where I started, because it is a street that goes in a complete oval. And so if you never turn off of Amsterdam, you will end up right back where you started, which for me is like heaven, because I get lost here so much. I always feel confident when I'm in Amsterdam. I can never get lost. But because it's a complete oval, um, it was at one time a horse racing track called, well, the English version would be the Hippodrome, Hippodromo. Um, and I, I don't know when uh, it changed from a horse racing track to a street, but it's like this super wide street. And then in the middle of the street is like a park. There's so many streets that have parks in the middle of them. Look, I'm from Chicago, as you know, um, as I think you know. And, you know, we have nice wide streets in Chicago. I'd like to point out my beloved mother's favorite street, North Avenue, the street that I never moved off of until I was about, I don't know, 110. I lived within a block north or south of North Avenue. And when I said that to my mom, like, look, I've met people from all over the world. I've never been a more than a block north or south of North Avenue. And she was like, what's wrong with that? It's a nice wide street. That's what the Hippodrome is. It's a very nice wide street. And also, you can't go wrong if you stay on it because you'll always end up right back where you started. It is my safety net. Um, so... But these other streets, La Reforma, it's like so wide, you have to, it, it like, I think it takes like 20 minutes to cross it. Um, and again, crossing the street continues to be a challenge because pedestrians do not have the right of way. I actually think it's the law. Um, so again, I continue to stand on the corner and wait for someone to show up who's going to cross the street that I want to cross, and then I just follow them. But if you're on Amsterdam, you never have to cross a street. And you'll see like all of Condessa and you'll never get lost. So, but today um, I was trying to get from where I live to the Parque de Me Mexico, Parque de Mexico, de Mexico. And because I like to think, you know, I'm very uh, Latina now. So I say Mexico. Um, whereas, like, last week, I would have said Mexico. Um, it's the Park de Mexico is this fabulous, fantastic park here that is, um, well, it's just lovely. There's fountains and a gazillion trees, and uh, it's a dog-walking park, and so there's a million dogs. And it's just so much fun and so lush and beautiful. And I was supposed to meet my friend there, um, and I took Amsterdam, and I knew I was going to have to get off Amsterdam at some point if I was ever going to uh, get to lunch, but I didn't know where to get off Amsterdam. And not only that, I walked the completely wrong direction on Amsterdam and ended up right back where I started. So um, I never felt lost, yet I was lost the entire time. But I eventually made my way off of Amsterdam and uh, to lunch and a lovely afternoon. So um, tomorrow I'm going to go and uh, look at an apartment and we'll see how that goes. Um, but in any event, I want to tell you a little bit more about 
my history, if I can, as uh, La Gringa Novelera. Just a little bit more of how I, or how novellas created such a huge change in my life. So, when I last left off, I was about to watch La Patrona with my friend Irma, my dear friend Irma. She was going to watch it at her house. I was going to watch it at my house. And then instead of doing our work, we were going to compare notes about the show the next day. So, in La Patrona, uh, the story of La Patrona was this. Antonia, played by Christian Bach, was an extremely beautiful and very wealthy woman who uh, had stolen a mine from the poor but noble Suarez family. Antonia um, lived in an amazing, I don't know if it was a ranch or a mansion or a combination of both, because outside it looked like a huge ranch, but inside it looked like a mansion. Um, and Antonia lived with a man named Alejandro. Now, Antonia and Alejandro, Antonia was like a few years older than Alejandro, um, but he, uh, he, they appeared to hate each other, and that wouldn't be the first marriage I've ever seen where the husband and wife not only appeared to hate each other, but actually hated each other. Those two appeared to hate each other, and yet they lived in the same house, had no children, and so one of the first things I had asked Irma was, if Antonia and Alejandro hate each other so much, why don't they just get a divorce? They have no kids. And in fact, uh, Antonia had gone so far as to have a gigantic portrait painting of herself hanging over the fireplace. But it was just her. It was like she wouldn't let Alejandro be in the portrait painting. So if they didn't have kids and they had a lot of dough, what were they still doing together? Because basically you know, it would look like a date gone bad and too long, you know. Um, they were miserable. So when I asked Irma why they didn't get a divorce, Irma looked at me with a look of sadness and regret. Uh, and I think that regret was because she had offered to help me in this adventure and said, um, they're not husband and wife, they're mother and son. And that was the first of many humiliations to come in my world of trying to learn Spanish from telenovelas. But I was like, her son, he's like in his 30s. Why doesn't he get his own apartment? And Irma said, because we're Mexican. And he's going to stay at home until he gets married. And then he will move his wife into the house. And that's exactly what happened later in the show when he got married. He moved the wife into his high school bedroom. I cannot imagine anybody's high school bedroom I would want to move into, including my own. But when I think back to the guys I knew in high school, they all had posters of Farrah Fawcett on their ceiling. I don't want to live with a po poster of Farrah Fawcett on the ceiling, but in the novellas, they always do return uh, with their spouse to their high school bedroom. Anyway, so you have Alejandra, Alejandra, rich, mean, and also wore these incredible bras that had jewels sewn on them, like big jewels. Like she wasn't hiding her jewels there. She just had jewels sewn into her bras. That's how rich she was. Um, and she had this maid that she was very mean to, but yet they had a bond. 
And Irma predicted that bond would be that they were family. And we'll see. They were. I mean, but I, I hate to give it away, but it, they were cousins. And that made knew her true story, Antonia's true story. But anyway, Antonia hated the Suarez family because she knew they owned the mine in the teeny tiny town of San Pedro del Oro. And so she was determined to destroy them. And the Suarez family included El Tigre, that was his name, El Tigre Suarez, the tiger. Um, he worked in the mine, and then he was married to Francesca, but Francesca was his second wife, and she was younger than him. And they had a son named Max. And then, up the street, lived El Tigre's daughter from his first marriage, the beautiful and fierce Gabi. Now, when Gabi was poor, she had very, very bad bangs. But later, I'll tell you about that, Gabi returns with a new hairdo that did not include those bangs once she made some money. Um, and it was a lot of money. But anyway, that's another story. Um, whenever you want to change your identity in a telenovela, a bang change will make all the difference. So I just wanted to set up the premise of La Patrona. There's a mine that has been stolen from the Suarez family by the evil La Patrona. Oh, and then, of course, the son, Alejandro, who was too old to live at home but still did. He was, of course, madly in love with Gabi Suarez, as was his brother, Fernando. Um, but Fernando was a drunk and kind of dumb and, uh, you know, totally controlled by his mother also. Fernando, when he was a teenager, had raped Gabi, and Gabi had a son, and uh, David, who was, in my opinion, a very spoiled brat. But Gabi never knew the identity when she was a teenager of the person who had raped her. But as it turns out, to make things even more complicated, it was Fernando, the son of Antonia Guerra, who was claiming to be La Patrona, who had stolen the mine from the Suarez's. Okay, so now you see the setup, um, and it just got better from there. And in the first five minutes of the show, Antonia killed her, I don't know, like seventh husband. Um, and she just watched him die as he reached for his pills, and then to make sure he didn't get his pills, she ground her stiletto heel right into the hand that was reaching for the pills. And the maid was watching and begging Antonia not to kill him. But Antonia uh, just, you know, let him die. And the maid never called the police. And that's another thing I have learned in telenovelas is that they are very big on what we called in law school self-help. Um, I don't remember what class involved self-help. Maybe property. I could not have been a worse student. But it's like an ancient remedy, self-help. I remember that part, ancient remedy. Anyway, um, so it, nobody calls the police. They all either, like, and I was telling you about me, Picado, they didn't call the fire department as Poppy was dying in the warehouse fire for an hour and a half. Um, and uh, the maid did not call the police when uh, Antonia was basically killing her husband by stabbing his hand with her stiletto heel so he couldn't get her, his pills. Okay, I'm going to cut this short because I think last night's podcast was too long. And I'm sure if you were with me, you would 
agree. So I'm going to cut this short and just tell you, I, tell, I can't tell you enough how much I love Mexico City, the people, the food, I, the streets. I love the parks inside of the streets. I do wish that pedestrians had the right of way. I also wish that it was a little easier to get ice. Ice is a thing that I should have really enjoyed more when I had it because it's a little tough to find. Um, but I'm getting used to that. It's, it's a small price to pay to be in heaven, and I'm in heaven. Okay, ciao, ciao. Have a great night, a great day whenever you're listening to this. If you're still listening, thank you for listening. I should have said that up, at the fr- up, at fr- up front. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Um, I really appreciate it, and I am very grateful to you for sticking with me and for your support. So enjoy. I hope you enjoy the podcast, and I will try to get better with everyone, I promise. Good night.